Hey everyone, welcome back to the TN Apologetics. So glad you're joining us today. Uh, today I'm joined by Josh Yen from Apologetics for All. Again, we're going to be talking about Map to the Honey in the Case Against God. So, Josh, what's up, man? I'm doing fine, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Can't complain. Just life, living, working, trying to watch the Euros from time to time, and yeah. you know, just life. So, yeah. So today, we, what we're gonna be doing is uh, we're gonna be responding to Matt Dillahunty. Um, he did a debate with Inspiring Philosophy a little bit ago on the existence of God. Um, today, we're just looking at Matt's opening statement because it's really interesting. Um, and Matt's obviously popular, so I felt like it'd be helpful to kind of like look at his ideas and just see what's going on here. Um, so, Josh, do you have any like preliminary thoughts that you want to say before we get going? Well, my preliminary thoughts was kind of that Matt's opening statement was perhaps less so about. I think you picked up on that a bit as well. Is that it, it was less so about kind of countering. Uh, Michael's ideas are directly focused on the kind of the topic itself, but I think his ideas were kind of more focused on, and as you'll see later, more of kind of a methodological approach, which kind of just was a bit, although it was applicable to the topic, didn't really fully answer the question or go really target the debate topic too much. And and of course, it's very interesting. I think we can see later in uh, Michael's rebuttal and where he actually does agree with a bit of what Matt says, but it's just really well, is it really a full response to what the debate topic is? You have some kind of question marks over that as well. So that's just kind mm -hmm. of an interesting thing to keep in the back of your mind. Yeah, the debate was like, is there reasons to believe in God, I believe? And Matt's kind of like, he doesn't say that no, but he's also like, well, like there's not any good reasons to believe in God, which is like, uh, I don't know. But I mean, you can decide for yourself kind of like what you think, because I think Matt's obviously a great person. Um, so if you're ready, Josh, we'll just start playing this and go through sure. it. Um, and, good. yeah, I can um, play it, you know, so just hang on for setting us up and thanks you for showing up and, and presenting that. I don't have any uh, slides. I'm not going to be quoting anybody um, and I'm not going to be, well, doing what I'm told I must do. One of the curious things in a lot of these debates is that people will present their case and say that, uh, therefore, this is a good reason or this is probable in order for me to, you know, in order for my opponent to, to win, they must present a more plausible explanation. Well, that's flatly wrong. If the claim is there are good reasons to believe in God, I don't have to come up with better reasons to not believe in a God, or I don't have to come up with better explanations for something, because if there's a mystery in the world and the position, the correct position is that we don't yet have compelling evidence to say that we have come to a good uh, evidence-based conclusion on that, then that is the conclusion. And we are stuck in the position of, you know, I don't have to have an explanation for something in order to be able to say that, hey, you presented something, but it's not quite there yet. As if... We what do you think about this, like, first little bit, Josh? Well, I think it's really a question about how you interpret the debate topic. Because mm -hmm. the debate topic is, is there reasons to believe in God? And as Matt notices, it is about whether, and I think Michael notices as well, it's about whether there are good reasons or not. And it, it I don't necessarily think that the kind of, the, perhaps the idea that, well, we don't need counter evidence. I mean, I don't think that's stuff. I would agree with Matt that it's not completely reasonable to suggest, or it's not necessary. It's not necessary for Matt to demonstrate that we need alternative hypotheses. Though mm -hmm. I would say for the debate itself, but I would say that by what when he what he does do wrong is that he says, well, sometimes we could just have a mystery, and then you could sometimes leave an explanation, or you could have one explanation and say, well, that's not really good enough, and just say there's a mystery there. I mean. I don't necessarily think that the best way to go, or at least as a debate kind of approach to a topic, is a reason to believe in God. And then someone gives you three good reasons. And then you say, well, it's a mystery. I don't think that's necessarily a very good response to the idea of, is there a good reason to believe in God? Mm. Yeah, this is something that like Michael gets on a little bit later on Matt about. Like, like if you're debating, you can't just be neutral. Um, so like I think about like Michael's arguments, like if, if like the things he's saying is true, like he talks about like, um, like his digital physics argument and stuff. And, like if these things are more expected on theism than atheism, 
like, and by atheism, I mean like the belief that there is no God. I know people can debate about the definition or whatnot, but that is just the easiest way to do it for now. Like if it's more expected on theism, then that's evidence for theism. That's like positive reasons for God, making it more likely than its counterpart. Um, so then in that sense, Matt would have to provide some reason to like low, lower the probability of like theism to like 50, 50 again, or something like that. Um, so it really just depends. Um, and I understand where he's coming from, but like for a debate, like you can't, it's hard to just be neutral in a debate on like, are there reasons to believe in God? And the funny thing there, when you say 50, 50, I'm just wondering for like the debate topic itself, is there reason to believe in God? Even if it is 50, 50. I could see someone saying that there still would be reason to believe in God, even if there is like 50, even if the arguments are indeed somewhat make the scale, does God exist 50? Does God mm -hmm. does not exist 50? You could still say that there's good reason to believe in God. It's just that there's also good reason not to believe in God. And you just have a free choice to choose whatever, which way you want. And I, mm -hmm. and I, and I could still say that even on a 50, 50, perhaps, perhaps that you could even win. And of course I'm being very pedantic here with a debate title, but I, but I mean, it's just something quite, interesting to just nitpick about and just say well what exactly do both parties kind of what are what are both sides trying to get at because there are times where i'm thinking well maybe matt's approach or understanding or his kind of way to respond to the title of is there reasons to believe in god might be a bit different from the way that we're approaching is there reasons to believe in god and if that's the mm -hmm. case then maybe there is some a bit of a gap there that we must think about as well yeah, I think you're right. Because if I think as we go further, like I can just see, like I think about this question a lot differently than Matt does. Um, so I appreciate his perspective. But I don't know if it's the best way um, forward. We come across a, a murdered body, and you have this. You put together a case for the the butler is the one that killed him. It's not up to me to come up with a more plausible potential killer. It is only up to me to say either you have made a good case for the butler did it or you have not made a good case for the butler did it and here's why when we talk about are there good reasons to believe something it is a sticky topic the, because ultimately you either are convinced or you're not and becoming convinced is the result of uh, not in a conscious decision on your part i'm going to just choose to believe this you make choices and you make decisions as an agent but you're not just saying oh i am now convinced it is something that you're compelled to do by the weight of the evidence and the weight of the argument and we have to do this knowing that we can be in fact wrong that we can become convinced of things and that we may have good, compelling arguments and, and, and reasons for it. And ultimately, the thing we're convinced of is not true. Once upon a time, it was... Anything, like, with, I was just curious, cause, like, with this butler analogy, um, with, at the end of the day, like, in, like, the murder case, and, like, the, the butler did it, like, someone's still dead, like, in that case. So, like, there still needs to be some sort of explanation um, for, like, why is this person dead? Like, did the butler do it? Did he just, like, have a natural death? Or, like, things like that. So, like, in terms of, like, applying this to, like, reality, like, at the end of the day, like, maybe you... Like maybe Matt thinks there's no good reason to prefer some sort of any explanation for like what the foundation is or like why there's something rather than nothing. But at the end of the day, there's some sort of explanation still. Um, maybe it's your infinite regress. Maybe it's God. Maybe it's some sort of like foundational thing that's like not God. Like but at the end of the day, there still be some sort of explanation. Completely agree with you on that one, Zach. It's like I think when when he's saying that, perhaps trying to say, well, you could disprove the hypothesis of God, and you don't need to have a better explanation, but. But then that's just kind of putting into a very weird situation because it's like it's like saying yes, I don't. You don't have good reason to believe in it, but at the same time, well, what exactly do we have? On the other hand, like if you have, if mm -hmm. someone says, well, I I got five hundred dollars on my on my pantry in, in the morning, I wake up and I'm like, well, there's five hundred dollars here, and I say, well, my mom made they put those five hundred dollars mm -hmm. there, and then someone else says, well, perhaps. It's not your mom. Well, I mean, at least the idea of it being my mom put it there is better than any other non-existent hypothesis. If the mother is the only person who is in the house at the time, like you have to provide, I think, more at least good evidence 
to provide the idea that there is still something else which could possibly be a explanation. And there are, of course, as you've noted, other explanations for the universe or the foundation of the universe, like infinite regress. But if you're going to say, well, there is only one idea, we have one reason, which we do have reason to believe in, it's just not very good reason. And then we have no other explanation. Is it more reasonable and is it more justifiable to just say, well, well, the one that actually does have some bit of reason, even though it isn't that good, should we just believe in that as the best possible explanation at the time? Or should we just go to the other side and say, well, maybe that actually isn't kind of, or should we just say, well, maybe that isn't the best explanation and just say, well, it's an absolute mystery. I'll, I'll, and we have no reason to believe in the first one. I would still say that believing in the first one is the most reasonable thing to do, if, if, if that mm. makes sense. No, I told it. That's like, that's what I was thinking. Cause if we go into this neutral, like, Hey, maybe there's a God, maybe there's not, um, you know, like 50, 50 or whatnot. Um, and then we can just go with like the law of the excluded middle. Like the foundation is a mind or it's not a mind. And like, if we have like three reasons to think it's a mind, um, doesn't prove that it's a mind. But these things would be better explained by a mind rather than something else. Um, and there's no countering reasons. Then like that's evidence in favor of theism and there'd be evidence for theism in that case. So I'm, I completely agree with you. And also, I think he did also make a statement after the analogy about something about being convinced in something is not necessarily oh, about yeah. moral agency. And I'm very confused about that because I was discussing because there's a moral inter- there's this interpretation argument that someone raised on my on YouTube. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Ocean Keltor or something like that. And then someone was telling me in the comments that interpreting the Bible isn't a result of free will. And I'm very confused about that. And I'm not sure <laughs> it's just me who's wrong in the idea that making a decision about a truth statement isn't out of free will. But it seems very fundamental to me that when you're, at least when you're actually trying to interpret it, not just reading it at a first glance, if you're really trying to get all the evidence in front of you and you look at it freely, you would reasonably, you reasonably come to the conclusion as a result of free will. Like if someone gave me all the evidence to believe that the sky was purple, for example, I would, out of my free will, choose to believe the sky is purple. Let's assume that that's the case. But it's not necessarily the idea that I've become convinced without any free agency on my part. And that's just something that I I was kind of just a bit confused. I was wondering what what your thoughts about that would be. Yeah. um, Can you repeat that a little bit for me? I got a little bit confused. Yeah. Because kind of it's the idea that perhaps when we make a decision or we make a, well, a stand on a truth proposition, for example, just say, well, the Bible says uh, Jesus rose from the dead in three days. Like that's the interpretation of the resurrection account. Are, do we get to that account based on free will or do we be, get base, get to that account just based on like Matt suggests, kind of getting convinced? Mm. And yeah, I mean, convinced? I think it, I think it's both like, um, you know, like I do not believe at all. Like in like young earth creationism, like the earth is 6,000 years old. Like, but I could put myself in situations where I'd make it more reasonable. Like I'd probably be more likely to believe it. Like I could go to like conferences or like read their books and stuff. And like by observing that information, um, by putting myself in that position, I might think it's more and more likely that the earth is 6,000 years old. Um, that's why checking your biases is so important. So I think like, um, yeah, maybe you can't just like look at one argument and just automatically be convinced that God exists. But the more you study it, examine it, um, put yourself in situations where you're like surrounding it. I think you can eventually become convinced. Um, so yeah. Good mix of both. There were good reasons to believe that the sun went around the earth. Really good reasons to believe it. Everybody saw this and experienced it. Everybody who stood outside said, yep, there goes the sun. Uh, It's a direct observation. And the the application of Occam's razor to a a more parsimonious explanation would obviously have been that the sun goes around the earth. And if you ask me now or ask me then, hey, are there good reasons to believe the sun goes around the earth? I would say, yes, there are. And yet we have better reasons to understand now that that perception is because of the earth spinning on its axis, assuming you're not a flat earther. 
the can thing we is, that for different times, you can have yeah, different reasons you. to reach a conclusion, and that's independent of whether or not the conclusion you've reached. Sorry, I was a little behind on pause. No worries. So the funny thing is, is that using that analogy, I had a feeling that he just conceded the entire debate. <laughs> because the, the topic yeah. is reason to believe in God. And then his analogy is there was reason to believe that the world went around the sun. I mean, no, mm -hmm. I mean, the sun went around the world. So, mm -hmm. so I think there's a startling kind of concession of that Michael already won the debate in his opening by saying, well, because I think he's comparing here, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the, the sun going around the earth, although wrong, has reason to believe in that proposition. And yeah. in the same way, he's trying to say that, well, God, although having reason to believe in it, is false. But then if that's the case, if that's kind of the analogy that we're seeing here, then hasn't he just conceded that there is indeed reason to believe in God, even if we're going to be wrong in the future? So that's just mm -hmm. something which caught me kind of by surprise when he said that. I was like, hasn't he just conceded the entire debate? Because the debate, I don't think, is whether God exists or God does not exist. Rather, is, is there a reason to believe in God? And if that's the standard that we are going to judge the debate, it seems that might that Matt has kind of completely messed. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to say completely through it, but I mean he's completely conceded the 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 topic into his opening statement, which I was quite surprised. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right. Um, I think what he gets into next is like, well, these aren't good reasons. But I mean, it doesn't see it does seem like he's willing to concede that there are reasons to believe in God. He just say there wasn't good. So mm -hmm. yeah, you've reached is actually correct. And so when we hear certain claims in realms that we cannot properly investigate, it is almost almost obvious and, and, and um, I'm not gonna come up with the right word for it. It, it. it seems reasonable that our intuitions about it are likely to be correct. If you go to a psychic reader and they lay out their tarot cards and they do a reading for you and it seems to apply to you, if you don't have any other information and you've been told that these people have some power to do this, then that is currently the best explanation that you have for it. This is true, this is what magicians exploit, and this is why magicians often went after the psychic readers and everything else, because they figured out, hey, these people appear to be doing the same tricks that I'm doing in my show, only they're claiming that it's a, a supernatural thing. The reason we're able to debunk that to whatever extent we are is because we have found the thing that you're looking for, which is, here's a better explanation. And so, did you in fact have good reason to believe that the psychic was communicating with you know, the dead? Perhaps, but if the case is, essentially, I can't come up with any other explanation, we know that that in and of itself is not a good reason. It's not a compelling reason to believe. Yeah, this is a lot of interesting things that he comes up. So what do you think, Josh? Well, I think, once again, it seems that he switched very quickly from betweening having a better explanation and, oh, it's a choice between that and no other explanation. Because when he gives a tarot card reader, he says, well, we had good reason to believe in the tarot. Or at least he says, well, we have good, well, not good, but we have reason to believe in the tarot card reader. And then we don't when we have other explanations for it. And then it's just kind of saying, well, we, the only reason why we don't have good reason to believe in that is because there are other explanations. But then he suddenly, in the, in, right immediately after that, he switches it very quickly and says, instead of saying, you have actually other explanations, you just say, well, if it's between one explanation and no other explanation, then obviously the first, the good explanation is the correct one, which I think is a very different thing than the analogy that he raised in the first part with the, car the tarot card readers. And you could, and I think the theist could here grant the, idea that, well, there could be better explanations in the future. But if the only reason why you're disbelieving your argument is because there could be better explanations in the future, then I don't think you could actually come to any true or reasoned belief if that's the standard that you're judging against. If Because you raise any argument about anything and then saying 
then then anyone else could say, well, we we might have a better explanation in the future to explain that. It's very hard to argue against that because who knows what's going to happen in the future. Mm. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Like the only other thing I thought about was like it seems like Matt's not a big fan of like trusting the intuitions. Um, and like I think he's going to get into this further, but like intuitions are super important. Um, like they're good. Like he brings up like the like the card example and like well, yeah, this person has intuition, but there's a defeater. So, like, then, like, I, I get not trusting, like, that intuitive belief. Like, But there's a lot of, like, very basic intuitive beliefs, like, you know, like the external world or, like, other minds existing that we can't really prove and we can't really investigate in terms of, like, 100% certainty. Like, we can't investigate someone else's mind. We can just look at, like, hook you up to, like, an fMRI machine or something, Josh, but that's about it. Um, so, I don't know. Matt seems very skeptical of intuitions, which, I mean – could lead to a lot of like problems with like solipsism and stuff, just depending on how you like flesh it out. So I completely agree with you there. I think a lot of times, and this is not just a, perhaps a atheist mistake, but also a Christian mistake. Sometimes we, it's very easy for us to perhaps hold an opposition viewpoint at a standard just so high that it's just, you mm -hmm. just, you're just so focused on defeating the opposition argument that you don't, <laughs> you don't think about how that rebuttal is actually going to apply to your own worldviews. And that's just yeah. something I think we have to keep in mind when we're discussing anything with anyone. Mm -hmm. That's how, like, when we get people get into these debates with Matt, it'll just be like, well, like, if the Red Sea's part of it, would you believe in God? And it's like, I don't know. I think it's more interesting to focus on, like, his um, actual epistemology and, like, how it kind of would play into, like, other topics. But, yeah. And believe things. This is how we've come to virtually every wrong belief that we've come to, is our intuitions, our biases lead us towards a good conclusion. And so if we're going to talk about whether or not there are good reasons to believe something, the first thing we have to do is figure out what do we mean by good reasons? If we look at something, we, we make observations, and we do our best to remove as much of our individual bias as we can, and we come up with uh, a collection of data, and we can put, put together a model that currently explains the data, then that would certainly be considered the current best explanation for that data. But I completely agree with Matt right there, just saying. Um, so, yep. yeah. I agree with him as well. Whether or not you have a good reason to believe a particular explanation is also dependent on whether or not the thing that you're explaining is, or the, the explanation you're coming up with, is something that you can investigate and explore. Because if you try to solve a mystery by appealing to a bigger mystery, you haven't done anything. And if you try to solve a mystery by just labeling it something, I don't know that you've actually bothered to explain anything. And so if we look around at the universe, we say, what, what do we have to do to try to make sure that we're coming up with good reasons or the best reasons or that our, our internal model of reality is as accurate as it can be? Then one of the key things is to remove any biases we have, to operate, you know, the, the veil of ignorance is something that I've referenced quite often with regard to morality and other things, but this same sort of thought experiment applies to any other question. And if we, if you come across somebody who's hanging uh, by the neck from a rope, if that's all you're told, your intuition is going to be, ah, they either committed suicide or somebody hung them, whatever. But that's because we don't think about the possibility of an accident and the fact that we haven't been given enough information. It's entirely possible as somebody who served in the Navy, uh, I can tell you that a bite of rope laying loose that gets tugged could cause an accident where somebody ends up hanging from the neck. So the next, next thing we want to do is we look at and investigate the rope. Is this, was this rope tied in a knot? Was it secured? Is it a special knot for, for this? And you, you continue going down that line to collect as much information as you can. If you just start at the, at, the, in, at the initial observation and say, how best can we explain this? Of course, you're going to get to the notion that, you know, uh, consciousness must come from a mind or uh, anything along those lines because you don't yet have enough information. And so what do you think about this? Cause there's a lot of information here. Um, and yeah. Well, I think as a methodological point, it is is a reasonable thing to suggest, though I, I would not necessarily say that. And I, I, I have to apologize to everyone who's watching that I'm being very nitpicky with the debate title today. And I, and I just for some reason, I just can't get over the fact that it seems that every single thing he says just seems mm -hmm. to just admit that there is good reason to believe in God, just that or at least there is reason to believe in God, just that it isn't really good reason or we aren't fully justified to believe in God yet. And and that yet is the, the kind of the thing that I really want to focus on here, because 
it would seem, as he seems to admit, that if you see a guy with a rope tied around his neck, that would be the face value. That would be the best reason to believe it, and you'll have good reason to believe the guy committed suicide, or I, I don't know what else the guy could have done, or someone killed him or something. But then, then of course, that's kind of how we do it in bigger situations, right? We have we have bigger science science experiments. We really delve deeper into things, and then we develop it slowly and develop it a bit more and. Perhaps a good ex or a good example of this would be evolution. For example, Darwin he didn't have much evidence to uh, to well, I mean, to support his claim that well everything came from a common ancestor or something like that, right? So he so he kind of just how do I say he he wrote his idea was was it the I can't even remember the origin of the species or something like that. that he, wrote <laughs> yeah, the book, he wrote his book and he didn't have that much evidence, but then there was actually good reason to believe in it, even though we didn't have a lot of supporting evidence over time and then as time went on and went on and went on the case for evolution was built stronger so I, I i could barely see how it kind of goes it taking the claim saying there's good reason to believe it at first it can be developed both ways and the idea that well future reasoning or future ideas or future evidence could somehow affect the idea that there is no good reason to believing it right now just seems to be kind of flawed yeah no i was thinking about it because like like the theory of evolution is a really good analogy because like that's something Matt would accept and like you can't confirm with 100% certainty that evolution is true but like given the data it's just, it's just probably true um when you look at things like the fossil record and like species like having similar genes and stuff like that it just seems like the best explanation of the data and like so okay Darwin comes along and it's like okay well here's evolution here's this theory um and he's probably right about that but then like his mechanisms for evolution are almost certainly wrong like neo-darwinism is a theory that's fading a lot from like evolutionary theory like Tim Howard invoking theism knows a lot more about this than me um but that doesn't mean that like we get rid of evolutionary theory it's just there's a different way that evolution occurred with like I think it's called like a more modern synthesis I believe um so it's just like just because there's a like if there's if we're just not going to accept things until we know how they work like completely like we still shouldn't accept evolution because we don't know like the evolutionary mechanism of like how it occurred we just know that given the data it probably occurred and we just so, and there's different competing theories on like how exactly it occurred. So, yeah. And so we can, I don't, I don't know why we would, you know, go to a bunch of physicists to have them start doing philosophy for us. I mean, that, that seems a bit strange. You know, here's a bunch of physicists who say that philosophically speaking, it should be this. Um, I, I'd rather, I don't know, I would say I'd rather go to the philosophers. However, uh, that's potentially just as much of a mess as anything. Because if you have something that appears mysterious and you don't have a solution for it, you have to work to demonstrate that not only here's a solution, but here's a probable solution. And probability is something that you don't necessarily have to actually calculate, but you should be able to at least approximate. And you can't say that X is more probable merely because it hasn't been disproven or merely because somebody hasn't come up with a better explanation, uh, because it's more probable than what? It's more yeah, this is great. So, like, if we take, like, the theistic, I don't remember what IP does in this debate um, for, like, his definition of God, but if we just define God as, like, a necessary mind that created the universe, well, then the the, the opposite of that be the foundation isn't a mind like it's something um material or impersonal and like there we go there's matt setup we have um compared to a mind well here's our other hypothesis that it's something material like a quantum state or something like that so i don't know i just i, I don't know i yeah that's kind of where i feel about that because i think we can do exactly what matt's thinking about yeah and and also just adding on that point i just think that well perhaps what matt's is kind of saying is also, the idea that physicists doing philosophy for us. I mean, I don't necessarily think that what uh, Inspiring Philosophy is doing, I, I keep on forgetting that his name's Michael, but essentially what Michael's doing is that he's not telling the, the, the physicists to do philosophy. He's using the philosophical evidence and then making philosophical conclusions based on his own ideas and philosophy. And 
I don't know too much. I have to admit, I, I'm absolutely not well read on the digital physics arguments or any of those arguments that Michael raised at all. I looked at them and I was like, what is this? But, but I mean, it was, I, I have to admit that I, even though I don't know much about it, it's clearly not just physicists doing philosophy for him. It's, it's just him using scientific data to support his own arguments, which is done a lot of times in science and philosophy and basically in every field of thought mm-hmm. and study. Yeah, yeah this, that's like with all these models about like if we're looking at like how the universe began or like if there's like a past infinite universe, like all these people are looking at like the different things like, okay, like we got this expanding universe, we got this universe running out of entropy, um, but maybe we want this past infinite universe, right? So like let's, let's draw my theory around this data to try to explain how we can have like a past infinite universe and something like that. So I mean, that, like that's, that's what we do. That's theories is they use the data and then they draw up a theory that, try to ex- that tries to explain all the data. And then the only other thing I thought about is actually like you need to investigate the claim. And like if we need to like investigate or demonstrate it, like it seems like to me we could almost be sent into like radical skepticism. Like we can't demonstrate that other minds exist. It's simpler to say, hey, Josh, you're just a philosophical zombie or hey, Matt's just a philosophical zombie. I don't have to pose this like mind that exists in Matt. I can explain everything just with the brain. Um, and I'm not even saying like physicalism can be true. And this is like my argument was to hold. Um, but like we don't need these empirical demonstrations. They're good, but they're not necessary. Um, so yeah, completely agree with you on that. It's more probable than no explanation. Well, that that is not. If we don't know anything about who killed the person, the butler is a more probable explanation than nobody did it. But the people who are not convinced that the butler is guilty are not saying nobody did it. They're saying we don't know who did it. You may have enough evidence to make it a compelling case that this was a murder, but you haven't come up with you know a compelling case for who actually did it. So the I just want to emphasize very briefly here again, the law of the, from the law of the excluded middle, we could say the foundation is a mind or it's not a mind. And I mean, I think that helps like with IP's argument. Explanation that we come up with needs to be unique to the claim. Uh, we, our explanation shouldn't be able to justify multiple competing claims, which is why, no offense here, but when you argue for the classic. Well, then, I mean, I'm just thinking again here, like we're going to have to throw out all these different cosmological models. Like Roger Penrose, your, your ideas are gone. Hawking, your ideas are gone because they're all explaining the same data with different theories. So then like that whole kind of like theoretical astrophysics is useless then according to like Matt's epistemology. Classical God, as opposed to a specific God, I really don't think that it gets us anywhere because at, at most, even if I conceded everything and said that, oh, if you're just going to define God as that which serves as a foundation for the universe, then you've defined God in a way that doesn't, it doesn't have any of the properties of anything that people are going to, or any unique properties of what people have classically identified as God. It doesn't have to be, you know, a personal being or all powerful or anything else that would get you to a particular one. And if, you know, Christians and Muslims and Hindus and everybody else can use these, the, the same case of, ah, oh, there must be some mind at the end of it. That doesn't get us anywhere near uh, an understanding of what that means. And so while well, I'll save a good chunk of that for actually going through the rebuttal, when we have- Wait, point, before we get into this, like, what do you think about like, do we need to go to like a specific God, like the Christian God or something like this for like a topic like this? No, because, uh, because the, uh, I hate to say this, but you should just read the debate title. <laughs> it's cause yeah. it's, it's a, because essentially the debate title is about, is there reason to believe in God? And, and perhaps you could have just changed the thing and asked, well, is there reason to believe in the Christian God? And, and if you change that to the debate title, then that would be a valid criticism. And I think what th- then then Michael would probably have raised another set of arguments for the Christian God as well, because there's definitely a bit of a different scenario of how you approach different arguments. Like we don't always just argue for the Christian God all the time. Like sometimes when we do apologetics ourselves, we 
we first get to God first, because I mean, if you can't even get to God, what's the point in arguing for the Christian God? It's like saying, well, if you don't even believe that each to that water exists, why should I tell you to drink water to get make you like less thirsty? Like that just doesn't really make that much sense. So I mean, you have to take things in stages, and that's why I think we're first focusing on does this God, and in I think Michael's word it was like like you said it was like an immaterial mind or something like that. It's like you have you have this kind of idea where that you have this God, let's get to that first. And then we could develop more about what that God is like. You don't have to say every argument points towards the God of classical theism. It just has to point towards God. And then we could think more about that God. You don't mm-hmm. always have to expect you'd, that every argument goes from a uh, starting point to the end of the race. You have to have many arguments and you have, have to have many different discussions about it along that race. But it's, mm-hmm. it's just unreasonable, I think, to just think you could just kind of have a hack or like a kind of a cheat argument which gets you all the way there and just say well if it doesn't get you all the way there then the argument is wrong when the argument itself wasn't even planned or it wasn't even aimed at getting you to the very end of the race in one go yeah this is one of those things where like there's a couple of things here um one like imagine like if i look at i look at the like the evidence for evolution and i'm like okay well we have like once again we have like this fossil record we have like a diverse um, array of species, but they seem to like all kind of like fall back into each other. Um, we have no idea the mechanism of evolution. Maybe it's neo-Darwinism. Maybe it's a modern or extended synthesis. So let's just throw this out. We don't know how this works. We just, um, so it's just obvious that ev- evolution isn't true because like, we don't know how it happened. We just have this theory. Like that would be silly. Like, because like we, it seems like evolution is true based on the data. So then like, just because we don't know the theory doesn't mean that like, or like how they exactly occurred doesn't mean that we can't believe that it happened. And I'm sure Matt would agree with that. It's like, I'd say the same thing about God. Like, just because we can't know is the Muslim God, or da, 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 like, because you need more arguments for that. Like, well then like, we still have this problem. Like, well, there's still all this evidence for God. Um, so I agree with you completely, Josh. And yeah. a mystery acknowledging oh this is this is a hard problem is good but it's not i'm not here to defend materialism in the sense of philosophical materialism i'm not even claiming that there is in fact an explanation for this so when we look at for example the universe or the origin of consciousness it may be enough to say we don't know this is an unsolved problem and then people come in and say yes but we have this and this and this and here's this in quantum physics and it appears that that observations you know will uh, help the waveform collapse and, and so there must be a conscious observer except that we also have other experiments that show that there's not necessarily a conscious observer when you're doing a double slit experiment the, the measurement happens at the time that it's going through the slit not when the scientist comes in and looks at what the results are um now even if there is seemingly good evidence that somehow it, that consciousness is collapsing it you have no mechanism by which you can say that this is the case and this appears to be a good chunk of, of the the arguments um that are being presented both here and elsewhere. So if we're going to say, are there good reasons to believe in a God? Well, we could go down an entirely subjective route and say that I'm convinced and I think these reasons are good and they're good enough for me and therefore I'm just going to call them good reasons. But then we run into that problem where we know that there are people who think that they have good reasons and it's just that they don't have enough information. At one time, it may have been all of humanity. They didn't have enough information about whether or not the sun orbits the earth or the earth orbits the sun and they had a flawed perspective on it. They still had a good reason. The question then becomes, have we graduated to a point where even on questions where we don't have an answer, that what would at first blush appear to be good reasons to reach a conclusion are in fact not good reasons because of other things we know. We don't, do we have to have a counter explanation that we then show is more plausible because more plausible or more probable doesn't tell us much. What if, what if the probability that classical God is, is the correct explanation is 1% and we come up with something that's 6%, we still don't have any good reason to think that we are beyond the, let's say 50 point whatever percent to get us to something that yes, this is worth reasonably concluding for now. And the thing that people don't often remember is that 
science often gets pointed to as the best of, of all these. It is the, the scientific methods are the single most consistently reliable way we have of understanding the universe. But science doesn't make proclamations about truth. It creates probabilistic models based on what we understand. It explains things in terms of other things that we understand. And when we are at the fledgling front of some scientific disciplines that too many uh, are going to appear as almost identical or indistinguishable from magic, um, we're, you know, I know we didn't get into string theory stuff here, but it, it raises the question of, is this proposition falsifiable? And just by example... Uh, um, before we get into the falsifiability, whatever, falsifiable stuff, like what do you think here, Josh? I think, first of all, we could perhaps talk about one to six percent kind of kind of thing, right? There's The thing is, is that I don't necessarily think that Michael's arguments make it to one to six percent. I mean, I, I do think they do way better than just a one to six percent, given the fact that when I watched the rest of the debate, there weren't actually many arguments targeted against the arguments themselves. It was just kind of like, what is um, what is the conscious uh, nature, conscious kind of application or cause of collapse, which I, I, I don't know anything of what they're talking about at all when they start seeing particle collapsing and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. but even then, it's like, I, I think those arguments, if, if it's just based on what went on in this dialogue, isn't a one to six percent, they're at least... I think 60% or even not 70% because there just weren't enough arguments raised against it. It was just more about the methodology, I think. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, I just think that if we look at the 1.6%, that's just perhaps an inaccurate representation. Yeah, it's funny because like I think IP is like getting drilled for actually like using science in his arguments when a lot of times like skeptics will be like, well, you aren't using any science to show that God exists. Well, IP is using science and it's like, well, no, you can't use science because it's just speculative and da 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 and we don't have a good conclusion yet. So it's like you can't like you can't have your cake, but you also can't eat it and da da da, -da like one of those things. And then like like once again, like I feel like if we apply like Matt's like ideas to like just like evolutionary theory, I think when we left like discarding evolution, like you know, like especially creation's been a theory probably for thousands of years. Um, evolutionary theories only existed for a few hundred years. Um, so you know, if theories are just constantly wrong and go away, well, maybe evolutionary theory is just gonna go away. Like we just have to follow the data where it leads. That's my point. Um, and I don't know, it just seems like Matt is like not the biggest fan of that when it's applied to like the theism atheism debate. Yeah. Agree with you. Uh, without going too much into rebuttal at the outset, the fact that we can make a simulation of something, I don't see how that could ever lead someone to the conclusion that therefore the something we are simulating is also likely or more probably a simulation itself. The fact that, because what we're doing when we simulate something is essentially we're describing it in an abstract way in some other language, in some other environment. We're creating a computer model of it. We're creating a model of it in our head. And to say that because I can create this model in my head or I can simulate it in a computer, perhaps the thing, this, it, it reminds me of, 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 and I don't mean to, to dismiss it this way, it just comes into my head this way. Um, the, the scene in Animal House where they're all high and they're talking about, you know, what if we're all part of the universe on a fingernail? Or it, it's a cool, cool idea. The, the notion that we might be living in a simulation is interesting. I, I've seen some models that suggest that the processing power of it would become, you know, especially for a dynamic universe, would become exponentially prohibited. But that none of those arguments will fly either because those are based on the physics and understanding that we have in our, let's say, simulation. And so what can you tell about the world outside of the simulation? All of these problems where we seem to reach a limit in our ability to explore, to investigate, and to understand, my view is... I don't know what the explanation is. I don't even know how you could say what is more probable as an explanation. And the best thing we can do seemingly is to argue by analogy, which when we've done that in the past, when we have made these claims that this is the best explanation that we have based on our current understanding, at any time later where we found out what the actual explanation is, we found out that we probably were wrong. We're constantly being wrong, which is why all of science is this, this tentative proclamation about a likely model based on evidence and not this is the truth or this is the absolute truth. Like I don't think we can get to absolute certainty on anything. Um, and so I wouldn't be expecting you to get to absolute certainty on anything. But to, to, to say that, we have good reasons. A real argument can be made that we can have good reasons for anything if we go down this, I have limited knowledge and I have this subjective experience. 
if we're going to talk about whether or not we have good reasons to think that our answer is likely, not that it is the best of the potential candidate explanations right now, but that it is actually likely true, that is a different bar. And that is, that is the bar that I'm kind of holding to, which is if we have no explanation, any explanation anybody offers that isn't falsifiable would seem like a better explanation. But does it rise to the level of being an actual good explanation? Is it sufficient to explain this? And do we have good reason to think that it is likely or probable? Or are we just saying, hey, this is weird. I don't know how we could possibly explain the mind or the origin of the universe. But people have proposed this idea that there's a, a being uh, that is not bound by space and time, that is immensely powerful and reasonable and wonderful and awe-inspiring. And of course, that being could do that. That being could serve as a ground for this. And because we don't have another explanation, that being is necessarily more probable than a non-explanation. And therefore, I have good reasons to believe it. And I don't see how that rises beyond this feels better to me than not having an explanation. If in fact, the truth is, we don't have the most likely explanation. I don't know how to tell the difference between those two. Yeah, this is the end here. Um, I mean, there's a few, there's a lot of things that could be said. Um, I don't know, do you wanna take it, Josh? Well, I think first thing I think we could talk about is kind of the idea that, it's once again, we could return to kind of the, I think he's once again emphasizing the idea of having an explanation, not having an explanation, and also, perhaps he's also focusing a bit more on, well, what exactly, like, where exactly do we come, or how do we actually come to a certain conclusion? And and then he argues that, well, the best thing to do is argue by analogy, because, well, the best explanation at the time commonly leads to wrong beliefs. I think that's kind of like what he said, I was kind of summarizing it, but I think we could pick that part a bit and say, well, first of all, let's target, I think the most easy one is perhaps the idea that best explanations commonly have led to wrong beliefs. And I'm like, well, that's not really a problem with the methodology. Like that's just doing good. That's just doing good science. A lot of times science is wrong and, and makes mistakes a lot of times, like again and again and again. But that doesn't mean that the scientific methodology is wrong. It's just that people are genuinely getting new evidence and following the evidence where it leads. I don't think the fact that people are following the evidence where it leads demonstrates that the idea of believing in the best evidence at the time is irrational or you don't have a reason to believe in something given the best explanation at the time you just have to just have to follow the evidence where it leads as i've said and i think that's kind of the most important thing to follow yeah i i'm just going to bring up the evolution analogy again because it, i just think it's helpful to like think about these things because it's like let's say like evolution is true you know what's what's the opposite of that well evolution is false like we have these two clear explanations um describing human origins one says that this this theory is true and then the sudden says well this this isn't true there has to be some other sort of theory for like the origin of humanity well like in that case like if there's all this evidence for evolution like sure we could be wrong but like it's the best explanation of the data um and i agree with you there and like theism is falsifiable to some degree like that's why like the problem of evil and divine hiddenness arguments exist because people are like well we'd expect this if theism is true but we don't see this with like animal suffering or um god's hiddenness or things like that so like i don't know i mean it just seems like to me like matt has this super high standard of evidence and then i think if you're gonna have that super high standard like that's fine for your personal epistemology but then i think you're gonna have to throw out a lot of things like theoretical sciences and um maybe even like I don't think Matt would have to go to solipsism, but like if we need these demonstrations, like sol solipsism seems like an, a live option um, if you're going to follow that kind of like epistemological standard. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that one. I just kind of want to pick on the idea that you kind of said, like there's kind of the idea that, what does it say? We don't exact, there's a limit. What was it? He said that there's, there's, there's a limit to our understanding. Said. There's a limit to our understanding. And I was thinking about that. So I'm like, yeah, but then what? Does that does that limit 
our ability to understand any arguments. I mean, we, yeah. can, we can understand there's a limit to understanding, but how much does that exactly help us by just saying mm -hmm. we have a limited understanding? Because that mm -hmm. would either undercut all your arguments for absolutely anything, because you have a limited understanding, or or you're going to accept some, but then, well, then how does that how does that help you in any methodology of finding anything apart from just saying, well, maybe I'm wrong. And, and I think understanding that maybe I'm wrong is generally quite a good thing to have in your mind at the back of the mind anyway. So I, I, I fail to see how that's kind of like a, kind of a reason to disbelieve or not believe in Matt, uh, Michael. I can't, I can't, I, I can't separate their names, but <laughs> Michael's arguments. <laughs> it's like, it's like, okay, well, I believe that other minds exist, right? Yeah. Well, well, I, I think I think it seems intuitive to me, you know, that like Josh Yen has a mind. He's not some sort of philosophical zombie. But there's a limit to my understanding. Like I don't know, and like we can go to like do all of our scientific research into this point. Like it doesn't seem like there's any way to demonstrate that other minds exist. Like his brain could explain everything. You know, his brain just fires, and Josh is just the zombie operating to the neurons on, of his brain without any sort of like conscious experience. Like I can explain all that, and there's a limit to my understanding. So maybe I should just be a solipsist. Like. Um, it just seems like to me, like, once again, like, if you get super skeptical in your epistemology, like, you might end up having to accept all kinds of crazy things that are obviously just almost certainly not true. I completely agree with you on that one. So we are done here, Josh. Do you have any kind of, like, last thoughts before we wrap things up here? No, I just think it's a very interesting thing. Always an absolute pleasure to, to be here and to discuss these debates with you. I mean, I, I was actually never... The thing is, I don't really keep up to date with anything going on on the internet atheist or theist world. I, I It just sometimes comes up on my recommended. I'm like, what is decent? And I just check it up a bit. And I'm like, oh, there's actually something interesting here that I'll just go check it out. So, I mean, it's it's great that you tell me what to do and you invite me on. So I actually could keep up to date about what Matt's doing and what these other ideas are coming out. So that's kind of keeping everything fresh for me on my side of the world. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I honestly, I get that because... Um, I always, I'll like, I'll message you like a week prior, like Josh, you want to do a response video and you're like, sure. And I'm like, well, what do you respond to? He's like, you're like, I have no idea. <laughs> we just kind of figure <laughs> this out. Um, and it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. So I always enjoy doing these and I think people enjoy listening. And like, when I look at these things, like, I just love like engaging with different ideas. So like, I have a lot of respect for Matt. Like I think about like the history of atheism. Um, and you could like, like Anthony flew kind of like revolutionized atheism in, in a sense, like, um, with like theology and falsification and such. And then I think Matt's going to do like a similar thing. Like if we get into like the history of atheism, I think Matt's going to be super important in like kind of painting that picture of like what it looks like for decades to come. So I always enjoy like listening to him and interacting with him. So, yeah. Anything else? Last words before we wrap up? I think I'm that? starting to copy a bit of your mustache. Because the thing is, is that is that I've I, since I've fractured my right hand, I have it in the cast for like the next like week or week or so. I haven't been able to actually shave at all for the last like two months. So it's just been growing and growing and growing. And luckily we wear face masks in school because it is quite a funny thing when I just take it off and I'm like, and then my friends are like, mate, you just grew like what's happened there? <laughs> yeah, I always like have this awkward phase where like. I'll like grow like visual hair for like a couple weeks or like a week. And then I'm like, no, I look stupid and I'll shave it. So <laughs> I feel your pain a little bit. So yeah. Um, but Josh has been fun. Everyone knows how to follow you. Apologetics for all great YouTube channel. Um, really great debate reviews and just all kinds of content and Dostoevsky fanboy. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's the funny thing. I've been doing so much more. Like I called it apologetics for all because I thought I'll talk about apologetics. But then now that I've checked all my videos, I've realized that only like one or two or 
or at most 5% of my videos are on apologetics and everything else is on Dostoevsky. So some late I've been thinking about whether I should just change my name to something about Dostoevsky or something. Dostoevsky <laughs> fan page. Yeah, exactly. Or something like that. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. yeah. Well, Josh, it's been so much fun. Um, and if you ever listen to this, Matt, you're awesome. And I hope you find this constructive and we can just build bridges and keep seeking truth together. Um, and thank you everyone who joined us, Kyle, Skeptical Mantis, um, Jono, Ify, Nosha, um, everyone else. I hope everyone has a good one. And if you be sure to subscribe to Apologetics for All, if you're listening to this later, it may be like Dostoevsky is the best person ever, um, whatever his channel's name is going to be. Um, and if you're new to here Apologetics, always encourage you to subscribe, leave a like. And if you enjoy the channel, you can support us on patreon.com slash adhere to Apologetics for as little as a dollar a month. Your support helps a lot. Um, but Josh, thanks for joining me. It's been fun, man. Thanks. Always glad to be here. All right. Have a good one, everyone. God bless. God bless.